welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share. The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening! On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I'm joined by Dave Padgett, an athlete and adventurer who loves a great story. Dave was born with cerebral palsy in a village in rural Nottinghamshire and attended his village primary school and nearest state comprehensive school. He was an active member of his local Cubs and Scouts and was a very outdoorsy kid who got involved in competitive sport in 1989. After A-levels at school, he went back to FE College and then on to university to study sports science. Dave had a successful 10-year career as a high-performance athlete before retiring and indulging his adventurous streak, which led him to becoming a record-holding mountaineer. Professionally, Dave has worked in strategic sport development for 22 years in a range of regional and national roles for various organisations before taking on his current role with British Equestrian, a role within which he feels that he is genuinely thriving. Dave describes himself as striving to be different and also a little eccentric at times. Interestingly for this podcast, he also says that he can be prone to tangents and random anecdotes, which are sometimes relevant. So in his words, strap in and enjoy the ride. So good morning. It is still morning uh, today. Um, and today my guest on the Coffee and Conversation podcast is uh, Dave Padgett, um, who we will get to know a little bit more about in the next uh, next half hour or so. And I am, as ever, sat in my office in Scotland. Sadly, the sun's not out today. So looking at a bit of a grey, cloudy sky uh, and I have the remains of a very nice coffee. Um, Dave, whereabouts in the world are you? Good morning, and, and how are you doing today? Good morning. I'm in a village in Warwickshire. And what's what's the weather doing with you today? Not not raining, but it is. Uh, a bit of grey miserable. Uh, uh, it's a, uh, uh, a bit grim. Yeah. And uh, and how's and uh, how are you doing in lockdown with your uh, with your furry companion? Because um, Dave, I'm very jealous. Dave has a dog. Coping quite well. I my dog. She is. I think there's going to be a few dogs in that same boat, certainly a few of the conversations I've had with people that their dog is absolutely loving and just following them around. Um, but yeah, I think the, uh, the, yeah, please, can we just go back to not walking every day? Thanks. And if it's raining, my mum sent me a picture of her dog yesterday because it was raining and sent me a picture of their dog. 
just looking so miserable because she was absolutely covered, like soaking wet in the rain, having not had rain for a while. And apparently she'd done a great time on the walk, but got back and just, it was like that moment of, I feel really sorry for myself now. <laughs> but any, anyway, right. Let's, let's crack straight onto the, um, uh, the, the, the conversation. And, and Dave and I have, our paths have crossed and we've met through um, work with uh, British Equestrian, where Dave is, I think, participation manager. Is that right? I Participation officer. Oh, I promoted you. Yeah, excellent. And and Dave, part of that role is is coaching. So I've I've done a few bits of work and um, sat in on various panels. And um, and when I first met Dave, he was this kind of quiet, unassuming, you know, chap who sat in this on this panel and asked very intelligent questions every so often. And then and then suddenly, towards the end of this kind of meeting and and, and session. Um, suddenly started regaling and talking and sharing these amazing stories. So um, as when, I, when I started and decided to do the podcast, he was somebody that I knew that I needed to, to talk with because he definitely definitely come with a, a story. We have a shared love of words and quotes, I think. So um, So I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you're... And I think, I believe you have two quotes to share with us. So... Uh, 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 yeah, two... Two quotes are two pieces of prose. One of them that builds me up and gives me confidence, and the other one keeps me grounded. So the first one comes from Marianne Williamson. Quite quite a well-known piece, it's often attributed to Mandela, but peace reads, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant or gorgeous, talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You, you, you are a child of God. Your place world does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that uh, other people won't, won't feel insecure around you. But we, were, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It, it, it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. Uh, and uh, as we let out a white shine, and this is the point of the quote, uh, as we let out a white shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Uh, as, we are, as we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. That to me is about pride and pushing your chest out and saying, yes, I am good at this and I know I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. I've, not, I've not heard that in full before. And mm. I really, and actually it feels very you. And that's a, that's a, I don't know if that's a strange thing to say or not, but I love that last bit around, you know, as we let our light shine, we give, we give other people the permission to do the same. And I think that's a, you know, there's something in there about authenticity and, you know, being yourself and, and yeah, being actually not being 
you know that that's coming back to that first slide about fear not being not letting fear of whatever it is hold us back um and yeah i certainly i can see why you've definitely definitely why you've chosen that in a sense of uh yeah get out there and, and give stuff a go and i'm sure we'll have we'll we'll yeah, we'll explore a few of your tales of, um, and maybe some practical examples of when you have really given stuff a go. Um, did you, what's your, so if that's your uplifting, uh, give you confidence quote, what's your bring you back down to earth? The second one that I've been my, my grounding quote. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'll, I'll Read it first, and uh, and then I'll tell you who it's by or where it's from. Excellent. Uh, 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 so uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the the quote reads: "May I become uh, at all times, both now uh, and forever, a protector for those without protection, uh, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for for those with oceans to cross." Uh, a bridge for, for those with rivers to cross. A sentry for those in danger. A lamp for those without light. A place of refuge for those who, who, lack, who lack shelter. And a servant to all of those in need. That, that, that comes uh, at the end of the autobiography of, of uh, uh, the Dalai Lama. that just feels very yeah I can see why definitely see why you've chosen that and actually what I'm in my head I'm just reflecting back to the first um, podcast that I did with uh, Nikki Fuller and Barbara Daniels and, and Nikki's quote was around uh, serving helping guiding and serving mm -hmm. and this idea it's a I've, I've just scribbled down and, and picked up on that servant to all of those in need and it just makes me yeah it makes me connect some of our the conversations and yeah and, and just reflect back um, but yeah I really like that and I agree that it's almost aspirational mm. in terms of becoming and almost mm. recognizing there's something in all of us that mm. we don't stay still. You know, we keep moving and we keep growing. And actually, if we're, yeah, for somebody as as calming and uh, I, I, I really hesitate to use the word guru because I'm I'm not sure he he'd want to be described in that that term. Um, but yeah, somebody who's that wise and experienced to still be wanting to become something. I think gives us a, a really interesting lesson for us all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like yeah, good. That's the first, the first couple of poems we've had, I think. So you've set the you've set the benchmark there for the rest of the <laughs> conversations, Dave. <laughs> 
So, see, I mean, maybe maybe we start off um, because it was it was your kind of I don't know. I suppose there was a shared love of um, words and quotes that that really um, intrigued me about you when we first met. But but it was this idea of stories and you know how you seem to have experienced so many different things in your life and you know had these amazing um really understated experience that suddenly you know we'll be chatting about something and you'll be like, oh yeah do you remember the, did I ever tell you about the time I did this um so <laughs> we do want, maybe, maybe give us a bit of an insight into some of the you know your your journey to this point where you are you know participation officer within the, the BEF but you know what's brought you to that point what are your you know what are your core experiences in in life I suppose the first thing to, to say is I'm, I'm in this role now in equestrian sport. I've been on a horse once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually allergic to horses. Really? <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite funny. So, uh, I, 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 quite how I ended up in this role is a bit of a mystery to me. But it feels extremely right for me. Emotionally, philosophically, intellectually, it, it, it's a really good for me uh, at this time in my life. Other jobs I've had in the past have not been as good, uh, have not been nearly as good a fit for me. Mm. Uh, 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 so uh, uh, my, my professional career, uh, um, uh, uh, I was started off working for an organisation called the English Federation of Disability Sports, working in that kind of federated organisation structure, still being good step for this role in working with our various constituent members. My first boss had a little mantra that we work with organisations with any other people. Uh, there's an element of truth in that uh, that, that I well, agree with, but then there's also an, an element that I disagree with because you've still got to work with people when you work with organisations. In this role, uh, uh, the, um, uh, 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 leading on coaching, as I do, that's about people, mm. uh, there's people within organisations. So it's uh, uh, harnessing uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the the needs and the desires of, of people and the two organisations and navigating through that in their part. Definitely, I think that's a really that that's a key point, isn't it? That yes, it's people, but we can't often we have to be conscious of in my head like the frame within which people are working so there are whether that's cultural or political or social you know all of that there are maybe constraints or boundaries that we that we face so it's yeah it's managing and it's a tricky act it's a tricky thing to balance those those two so yeah like my head's just gone into all sorts of different in different um curious questions i suppose in terms of thinking about change management and 
Kurt Lewin has come into my head with his field, field theory and stuff. But anyway, maybe we'll save that for a different a conversation for a different day. <laughs> so, that, so, that's, so what, what interests yeah, so what interests me in, in what you've just said is this this role feels a really good fit. And 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 you know, I know you've you've got so many different experiences as a I'll throw this in there as an athlete, as a um, you know, a sport as an adventurer, maybe. So what you know, why is it that this role feels such a good fit right now for you on those different levels? If I frame my my answer in uh, some of my background, uh, so uh, uh, I grew up in a village in Nottinghamshire. Uh, I was born with several uh, uh, but I didn't know I had a, I had a disability until I was 15 years old because nobody told me. Uh, 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 I was aware of certain factors, like I, I was aware that I fall over more often than other people. Uh, uh, I fell off my bike more often than other people. <laughs> It took me longer to do stuff, but I never put those those things together and gave it a name and called it a disability until I was fifteen. Now, perhaps I was incredibly naive, but naive is not necessarily bad. Because uh, uh, I went to my local primary school and I went to my local comprehensive school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I, I went to mainstream education. It was a big shock moving from my small village primary school with 70 kids, <laughs> my local comprehensive school with 1500. So she didn't know me. So they were presented with this uh, 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 slightly odd-looking kid who works funny and talks funny. Uh, 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 kids, kids have a natural reaction to, uh, uh, to, to react against that. That mm. difference when they're conflicted. So, so when, when people are conflicted with something that they don't understand, uh, 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 one's in reaction is to attack him. So I was verbally abused most days at school for the first 10 years. But that taught me a great deal about resilience and about, uh, and about patience. So I, I talk a lot about frame of reference. At that time, the kids at school had no frame of reference for me. So this was something that I had to learn and I had to deal with. And I was, I learned to be incredibly patient. Take forward into my current world where I'm working with this. Diverse network of organisations, uh, uh, and the people within them who 
want to move at different paces all the time. Uh, 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 um, uh, I also want to move at a different pace to some of them at times. But I have to rely on my patience, um, pragmatism, to keep them working and, and the conversations and the discussions moving forward. Uh, uh, but not a, uh, at a pace that's so quick that we start to leave people behind us. Mm. And I'm just thinking, it's interesting as you're just talking about, I'm just you're sharing that sort of story and your experiences and almost it the, the two poems that you've the pieces of prose that you've shared it really gives those context and meaning as well so you can kind of start to piece together how some of these experiences and um you know connect with what you've chosen and particularly just thinking about that um the you know the the what you said about leadership and magnetic leadership and and you know those sorts of things so i'm starting to you know definitely make some connections between experiences and the, and, and why you've chosen the why you chose those those pieces of poetry so yeah it does, you know how our lives and our experiences absolutely shape who we are what we do and what we think i have a head full of interesting quotes that were made that i wish i'd have said i take great pleasure in dragging them out on occasion and peppering a conversation with me definitely and I just I'm just I'm just smiling inwardly um I think you listened to the the first podcast and immediately shared with shared um an Aristotle poem or was it something as there so yeah so, so I never thought that I'd be reading Greek mythology on a that's yes that's right that's right it was Ulysses I've got my I've got my Greek gods and all sorts mixed up you can tell I didn't I didn't study history and, and mythology but yeah it was just this idea that you know that it opens it feels like you open this world um you know through your quotes and experiences and, and I think that's what I really want to capture in this podcast as well that you know you can have a conversation with somebody and it can just open a door into a world that you've never experienced and it kind of just gives you that incentive to to explore a little bit more um and certainly every time we speak you know a little bit another story will kind of reveal a little bit more and, and you, you build this picture and kind of go oh, okay right I get that now I understand why you know why you like that poem or believe that or those sorts of things and and so, so maybe you know having left school and you know gone into this big wide world where where does where did life take you where's life you know, taking you between then and, and now the understanding that I had a disability uh, 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 about the age of 15 um, uh, uh, conveniently coincided with, with me getting involved in sport and competitive sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realised that I was quite good uh, at that. Uh, uh, academically, at the time, I was on a, a more of a performing arts path. The, the sport thing uh, uh, t- took over uh, uh, quite a lot, uh, and within a, a year of getting involved in sport, uh, I'd, uh, I'd gone from being uh, uh, the kid that comes seventh out of forty-eight kids across country every year, uh, 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 being the best athlete the school has ever produced. 
the World Cup, so we're not going to break any records. Yeah, uh, 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 Throwing might be uh, uh, better for me. Mm. Uh, in, in terms of my success. I think that, you know, it feels like that's quite a, that sort of hard work and effort and, you know, and, and really persistence maybe. You've, you've used the words mm. resi- resilience earlier, but maybe that mm. persistence and that kind of commitment, that feels like quite a um, a core attribute that you've maybe carried through into other areas and, um, you know, that not not willing to give up and, Maybe that comes back to some of those your quotes at the start as well, in terms of, you know, our fear is that we are, our deepest fear is that we are, you know, all of those sorts of things in terms of wanting to to be something and and you know develop and grow and become something. Maybe there's something that connects those sorts of things. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it feels like there's a connection. Um, so let's let's just explore a couple of other things and then you know we'll we'll then start to sort of think about how we conclude because I, I i could quite happily sit and listen to your stories for a long time and i know there are plenty more so maybe we'll have to do a, a dave a dave episode two at some point to get a few more out there <laughs> um but i i know that i know as well that you you've um you've undertaken quite a few sort of adventurous type activities as well which maybe maybe spark from your sporting um, interests. Uh, but again, they've taken you to some interesting parts of the world, I think, in terms of what you've done and, and some of the things you've put your mind to. Yeah, well, I got into uh, 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 climbing mountaineering. Uh, 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 actually, kind of while uh, I was uh, uh, training and competing uh, as an athlete, uh, 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 although I've done uh, uh, the, the other adventure stuff at school, uh, uh, we used to go, uh, uh, we, we had a week of sailing uh, around the first of five uh, 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 every summer at the end of the summer too, uh, 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 which was brilliant. Uh, uh, I get, I get seasick. <laughs> So yeah, perhaps sailing's not the greatest thing for you then. Uh, also, I can't swim. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 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 taking me sailing on yachts uh, around the for quite a year. A bit of a risk, and I don't think the teachers will get away with that now. <laughs> You're probably right. There might be a few forms, health and safety forms, to fill in. <laughs> yeah, imagine the risk assessment of taking a Disabled 13 year old uh, on a, a 36 foot yacht, uh, <laughs> sailing around the coast of quite a few car swimmer and then seasick. We can have to work as part of a crew. <laughs> I think I think the words that come to mind are character building. See, let's let's put sailing to one side. What what you mentioned mountaineering, client, and again, that's another connection we have in terms of shared shared love of mountains. So if you put the, if you put the sailing to bed, what was it? What was it about maybe that the mountains and you know the outdoor stuff that, that appealed to you? I think it's the challenge of mountains and mountaineering, and also uh, uh, the opportunity to do something independently. Mm. Uh, so, uh, uh, so if you sailing, uh, uh, unless you happen to be called Evan MacArthur. I like to tend to do things with other people as part of a team and as part of a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quite like 
the exposure to risk that doing things so low provides. Uh, uh, so I, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, lots of my, uh, uh, what, what I would call my, my apprenticeship in the mountains, uh, uh, that was walking and climbing so low. Walked and climbed quite extensively in the in the UK. Not on my own, I've done a solar backpack with the candles on a couple of occasions, which was brilliant. That ultimately led me into bigger expeditions. So I'm the first. European with several probably to climb Kilimanjaro, which was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Mm. Uh, 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 there are uh, uh, there, there are several routes on Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. I think there are about fourteen different routes. Uh, uh, um, the, the local rankman by the name of Trent. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, so the main tourist routes, Morangu and Machano, are called Coca-Cola. The route we did, which was called Umbai, is quite rarely done because it's the shortest route on the mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, Umbai is called, it's called a brandy route. <laughs> I quite like that. Uh, uh, so uh, I... Worked with a, a team to build uh, this, uh, this expedition, uh, uh, which was a bespoke trip. Uh, there's a volcano adjacent to Kilimanjaro called Mamu, uh, uh, and we spent a few days on Mamu before we went to Kilimanjaro for a conversation. So, so we spent a, a couple of days uh, around three and a half thousand meters on Mamu, came down, night in my hotel, and then back to on way routes up on Kilimanjaro as an ascent. Uh, 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 our ascent meant that we summited on, uh, 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 I think we summited on day five, uh, uh, which compared to Morango Machalma is at least a couple of days quicker. Mm. We were able to do that because we did done the preparation on Miri first. So, so that, that's about preparation and getting that bit right. Without uh, 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 giving you the platform to go uh, and complete your target. Mm. Uh, uh, so uh, I quite like that planning area of work as well, which uh, another reason why it's called the job of this called job running feels so right. Uh, uh, is uh, strategic perspective uh, and funding uh, um, as the and it's interesting actually as I'm just listening to you talk again your quotes feel really relevant in a sense that you know you just said you like this idea you know there's something about this kind of risk that you like in terms of that being you know solo expedition and those sorts of things but also I'm getting the sense that planning and preparation and you know doing your ground and homework before you go is is something that you'll spend time doing so on one hand there's the pro, the pros lifting you up but actually there's something keeping you grounded and, and and balancing that out in a way so there's risk and yeah risk and reward and it's it's you know it's 
calculated, um, you know, informed risk taking almost in a way. Although I think as, as we sort of maybe move towards the end of this conversation, I am going to invite you to share the story that you, you just shared with me before um, before we started this podcast, which I'd not heard before. And, and perhaps it's an example of where maybe along the way in life you do need a little luck. Um, because however um, much you calculate those risks and prepare, sometimes, yeah, you just need somebody on your side at that moment in time to to help you. So uh, I invite you just to share that story and uh, and paint the picture for us. And, and we connected as well because you get you started by saying, "Oh, it's Bristol," and in my mind, I could picture the actual roundabout where you're going to talk about in a minute. I lived in Bristol for about eight years. I argued used to cycle to work. Well, those of our listeners that know Bristol, I lived in St. George. Uh, and, uh, uh, my office at the time was in Filton. Uh, uh, so I used to cycle to Filton from, from St. George. Uh, and uh, my route to work took me downhill uh, uh, to a roundabout under the M32. Uh, and the IKEA roundabout in Bristol. So this particular day, I was running a bit late. Uh, uh, so I'm thundering down this hill towards the roundabout, overtaking traffic on the left on the side of the road, which was a bit naughty. Shouldn't really be doing it, but I'm going straight on the, at the roundabout and uh, there's a car to the left. Carl didn't see me coming. Well, uh, uh, apparently I hit him, lost control of the bike, hit him again, and I came off backwards, so rotating around to my right, and the right hand side of my head hit the curve stone. Not a lot of giving a curve stone. Now, uh, fortunately, I had my own on, which absolutely saved my life. Uh, 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 as a bizarre fluke, the car I hit was an unmarked police car. Uh, what a stroke of luck. Uh, uh, two guys in the car. One of them had done his emergency paramedic training a week before. So he jumped out and did the emergency first response. Uh, so while his mates on the police radio were going, uh, um, had a bit of an accident, but it's only as quick as what he's like, okay, nice, thanks. The first responder piece is he, he, uh, uh, he's assessed me. Uh, uh, I'm lying in the road, unconscious, not breathing, with an obvious head injury. Uh, uh, so, so he can't move me because I've got a head injury. So he gave me a, an emergency roadside tracking option with a binary. The ambulance came uh, and uh, uh, it took me first to the Bristol Royal Lagoon, where uh, I had x-rays uh, and uh, I'd broken my, my collarbone, my jaw, my cheekbone, uh, and, uh, and I had a fractured skull. Now, it's in the state I would have been in if I didn't have my helmet on. When they found the skull fracture, they entered a CT scan and I had an extra dual fluid on the afternoon brain, between the brain and the skull. So they put me in an early ambulance, sent me across to the French Hospital in North Bristol, 
where uh, at the time they had head and brain injury specialists. I was in theatre at the French Age. I was in theatre within an hour of the accident. Uh, uh, anyone that knows Bristol will know how impressive that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 I spent about three weeks in, in intensive care, two weeks of which I was very terribly sedated. Medically induced coma. But, uh, I a couple of weeks on a ward uh, and then uh, a couple of weeks in a brain injury rehabbing on the side. As I started to come out of the medically induced coma, uh, um, started to have some understanding of what had happened and where I was. The first thing I said to my mother was, Where's the bike? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I bet she was really impressed at that moment uh, in time. Uh, yeah, well, apparently the police had kept it because the police had to do an investigation. So they kept it. Yeah. Uh, so when I was discharged from hospital, was I went home for a couple of weeks, settled back in a home, uh, and then I walked up and down to the police station where they were keeping the bike, picked it up, uh, 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 took it to a bike shop to be serviced. <laughs> Literally getting back on your bike. That's I think a metaphor for my life. I definitely I think there's so many things in there that are I don't know, fairly symbolic. There's something about, you know, a bit of luck. Um perhaps perhaps about being on time in future. Um but yeah, that that sort of you know that that determination, perhaps, just to keep keep going and um, and make, you know we all need need a little bit of luck and help on the way on the way through life, and maybe that comes back to your um, you know your Maria uh, Marion Wilson poem in terms of you know as we let our light shine, we give other people permission to let theirs shine, and perhaps there's something in there about you know what you put out in the world does come back to you at some point in time um so yeah it's um well i'm very i am very glad if you're going to bump crash into anybody it was that happened to be that police car on that moment in time um because yeah it, it gives you an extra tale to tell um but it actually means that we can still sit here and have those conversations say about perhaps being on time in the future had i been on time that day i might have hit somebody else actually do you know what that's a really good point some things are meant to happen and meant to be aren't they so in, in wrapping up the conversation then um you know is there I'm, I'm i'm hesitant to ask almost if there's a quote or a, a or a, a word or something that you want to leave us with because that could that could spark us off on a whole whole host of different conversations but you know i've i really enjoyed as ever chatting to you and, and learning new and hearing new stories and and you know i think what i will take away from from this conversation is de I'm, I'm definitely looking up both of those well the the, the first poem and the, and the um, you know that prose from the Dalai Lama because I, yeah it does feel that something really meaningful in those um, and um, I like I, I've mentioned it a few times but as we let our light shine we give other people permission to let you know that that idea I really like in terms of that confidence to be yourself and having that impact um, and allowing others to do the same I think that's something I'm really going to take away from from this conversation um, so yeah so I'll just you know invite you to maybe share a last few words or anything that you'd like to any reflections that you'd like to leave us with 
I think that's a a very good a very good place to to finish the conversation and, and all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for your time um, and um, it's been good as ever to talk and I hope that uh, your lovely dog um, continues to keep you busy and, and company over the next few weeks um, but also that you do give her a little bit of time off and, and let her relax on, on the odd occasion <laughs> so so thank you very much thank you very much you have been listening to the coffee and conversation podcast the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen my thanks again to my guest dave pageant and also to you for listening until the next time take care